for a play that is named Angels in America, which is currently in revival, by the way, on Broadway, it certainly takes a long time for the angel to show up on stage. It is only at the end of the first half of this epic, two-part, almost eight-hour play production that the angel finally crashes onto the scene in some productions literally crashing down through the ceiling of the set onto the stage. It is meant to scare. Contrary to what is usually the case at the end of plays, when all of the loose ends are tied up, it is at the end of an evening's performance that she announces that the great work is beginning. And what is this great work? It is, she tells the person on stage, that he is to begin prophesying. Pentecost has its own moment of a crash onto the scene. I've never seen a good pictorial description of the day of Pentecost, nothing that really scares me, and it's probably just as well. There are too many cheesy woodcuts of tongues of fire hovering over the heads of the disciples, and we need to have a few things left to our imagination. But as close as I am able to get to imagining such a scene as it might actually have happened is to envision a messenger crashing a party, telling the people present that the great work is only now beginning. In spite of the color red that the church uses on Pentecost, the Pentecost crasher is not a tongue of fire coming from above. In the lesson from the book of Acts, the angel, the messenger, is Peter himself as he addresses the gathered crowd. And what he has to say on Pentecost is so unlike how we choose to observe this day. For us, Pentecost is the end, the conclusion of the 50 days of Easter. The church's life returns to normal. The Paschal candle finds a dusty corner in which to hide. The alleluias at the dismissal go away. Christian formation classes take a breather. And we reinforce this closing of the play by having Pentecost so near Memorial Day with culture in its own way reinforcing our religious tradition. The ending of school terms, the ending of being confined with others indoors in colder weather, even the ending of church attendance being replaced by weekends at the lake. I'm no fool, I've seen the numbers. <laughs> I even know bishops who don't make visits in the summer because they think there's not enough people in the church to bother with it. But Peter is not about to end anything. His announcement, and listen carefully here, his announcement is not that something has been completed, but rather that something is beginning that his listeners thought had ended over a thousand years ago. That is the exodus itself, that trip from Egypt to the promised land. The great work of the crossing the Red Sea, the disorientation and hunger and thirst in the wilderness, the struggle with the dust of the desert, the struggle to live as a people now not enslaved. Well, that's a great work that's only now beginning, Peter tells us. We know this truth of what Peter is saying by the language that he uses. 
Now, don't get sidetracked by tongues of fire in the first part of the story. They are, in some ways, entertainment. The heart of the story is what Peter tells his listeners, and by implication is telling us. You may have missed it, but he is describing the exodus as an event that's about to happen. There will be portents in the heavens above, and the sun turned to darkness, and the moon to blood. No, this is not some sort of end of the world talk. Peter is simply quoting the prophet Joel, who said the same thing several hundred years earlier, and who himself was referencing what was about to happen. That is, the spring going to summertime of hot and dry weather, dust storms occluding the sun and moon, dry wind pushing back the water. It had happened once to slaves in Egypt, and we call it the Exodus. And it continues to happen in every generation, just as heat comes each summer. Every life in every generation has its own forms of enslavement. Every life can feel like a desert. Every life can feel disorienting. Every life has its hungers and thirsts. But when life looks well all too human... It is then that the people who believe in resurrection can start to prophesy that the world will be a different place, a place where death is turned into life, a place where indifference is replaced by love, a place where God's Spirit rests on everyone, young, old, slave, free, women, and men. The world that is in control wants us to focus on tongues of fire, to focus on history, to focus on fairy tale. But Peter wants us to focus on what the future is going to look like and what God's love ultimately wills it to be. Our great work is to share the news with others who are experiencing the heat of oppression or the drought of anything good in their lives or tongues that taste dust instead of food. Our great work is to offer them open arms and loving hearts, even offer such gifts to ourselves when we are feeling enslaved. Our great work is to crash the party of any society or any human structures that don't want the old barriers torn down and to that society prophesy that God's Spirit is coming to announce that there will no longer be differences in young and old women and men enslaved and free. Our great work is to proclaim that Pentecost is the beginning of the story, not its conclusion. It is particularly appropriate to confirm on Pentecost. This action connecting bishop and parishioner is not just the completion of studies that you may have done to arrive here. But it's a pledge that we all make that we will share God's good news by how we talk and how we act, by how we think, and by how we love. Those questions in the baptismal covenant we are about to recite are about what we intend to do, not what we've done. They are about hope, not pride, about the future, not the past. Just when we think we've, when we've come to a conclusion, God is reminding us that there is a future. 
There will come times in life when our witness will mean crashing onto the scene and reminding people what the love of God and resurrection really looked like. It might be scary, but that's why Peter reminds us that we're filled with the Spirit. We've got a great work to do. We'll find the perseverance to do it. And that's why you who are getting confirmed are getting hands laid on your head. Amen.